0: Hey everybody, Sonia here. Welcome to the check-in.
1: Hey everyone, Dave here. Welcome. Good to have you tuning
0: in. Yes. Woo. <laughs> that's all like right. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's I can muster. That's it. That's my energy this morning. <laughs> I, th-
1: I thought you were the one that was going to have a jingle today. I thought you yeah, were going to like. I wasn't going go to do a little song.
0: Yeah. yeah. Woo! That's yeah, what we got. One step okay. too far. Yeah. Out. Um, yeah. I haven't had I just am about to take a sip my first sip of coffee. So oh, let's
1: let's have this be a, a a shared experience.
0: This will this moment will be this oh, there will be a transformation in this particular right. podcast. Right, okay. Non caffeinated okay. to caffeinated.
1: All right, let's experience this. All right. Take a drink. Okay. Here we go. I, now I, I kinda heard it. That was interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, now I say it and people are gonna be listening for that particular
1: The Gulp. Yeah. It's nice.
0: Yes. Anyway, glad you're here, those of you that are, you know, listening. Um, uh, this is where we just, Dave and I, check in with one another, see how we're doing, what we're noticing. So, Dave, I'll just start with you. What is going on with you? What have you been noticing lately? Let's.
1: I just want to back up and just do, do a bit okay. of a general kind of really? rant. Not rant. Um, uh, update. I don't know. Where, where are you at in turn? Because we started this whole podcast around... COVID, sheltering in place, how do we check in with one another and we don't have the community spaces and places that we naturally go to do that. Mm -hmm. We're probably all fucking Zoomed out by now. Like, oh my gosh, so many Zoom Mm -hmm. calls. Um, So we're deep into this. I don't even know the time. Like, it's just crazy. Uh, Are you still, what's your update in terms of Portland? Are you sheltering in place still? What's going on?
0: Yeah, we're supposed to, we have not entered phase one, our particular county has not. We're supposed to be opening up, we actually, it starts tomorrow. Oh, okay. But it's interesting because at the same time, there's just a lot of caution because we are, or Oregon is also experiencing an increase of uh, Uh. coronavirus. So there's like some mixed messaging slash caution slash, I think they're trying to appease the people like we've been inside for so long and- People want to be able to go to bars and restaurants, get their haircuts. Um, For sure. And people are—we are out protesting. You know, so right. I don't know. There's such right. a full. Fo- there's a range. There are people that are still. I have friends that have not gone anywhere, have been sheltering in place, and been completely isolated. And um, right. I've been—I've been participating at protests. Everybody's masked. You know, but it it's still. Um, right. Yeah. I, I get not that. Not distance. We're not staying six feet apart as we march.
1: Yeah. I've not not so. seen that on the. Yeah. I don't know yeah, like any protest that's doing or that. Or when
0: we rally together, we're not doing
1: that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's interesting having two pandemics going on and and what what that's presenting.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know, we just are phase t- opening up phase two this week, so um, or next week. I mean, end of this week, next week. So, restaurants and barber shops and what are opening. But yeah, it's we, we are our numbers are so low, like so low mm-hmm. that I think there's just public pressure to go. Why is this taking as long as it has? Right. Um, like I think there's 20 cases right now in Ontario. Mm. So. Um, Total. So, yeah, it's, it's, if you're talking about flattening a curve, I think we've done that. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how strange people are in the opening. Like, I I was at my chiropractor and just like everything's weird. (laughs) Like, it's just, (laughs) it's just no one knows really quite how to function Mm -hmm. socially. So, the social awkwardness is just interesting. Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, so we're, we're starting phase two. Anyways, just wanted to get an update because that's kind of how we started this and Mm -hmm. wanting to know, um, yeah, if you're socializing it. Um, All right, want me to dive in? Jump in? Yes, please. So, yeah, the thing I'm noticing really yesterday, sitting in it a lot yesterday, uh, is my own privilege. Um, So to unpack that a bit, as we... Are experiencing um, just black lives getting snatched from white supremacy we we, we have seen you know three significant um, black lives lost one week after another that's really led to a, just a massive um, movement of Black Lives Matter and protests and just uh, an awakening around the atrocities of white supremacy and so what I um, was on a you actually hosted the call yesterday but I was attending and um, with Jonathan Brooks who is from Chicago in an under-resourced community black community and him telling his story made me so aware of my own privilege in this whole process and so much of what I observe is in my head because I don't have a context in which um, this is happening to the degree in which he talked about. So yeah, just sitting in and just a few highlights for me is I don't know anyone with COVID. I don't know anyone in my neighborhood with COVID. Um, it, and most of the people that I know are not affected financially by COVID. So as he's talking about three funerals this week Within his own faith community, he was talking about showing up at the funeral home and had them having nine funerals that day, all COVID. Him talking about the tension of, do I protest or do I stay home because I need to protect my community from a virus that's affecting primarily um, marginalized communities, Um, just hit me and going, okay, that's not my reality. I'm not making those decisions. And then him talking about the injustices um, within his own community of, of 24 years of hard, hard work to address food security and seeing businesses um, begin to trust and come into their neighborhood. And, and literally in 24 hours, that get destroyed. And the pain of that and the tension of that of wanting to see protesting and wanting to um, sit in the pain of what has gone on for uh, really hundreds of years um, and the realities of that, but then also the pain of we're trying to build something here and now that's been destroyed. So the questions that he is posing, the tensions in which he's feeling, not in his head, but in his body as he's living it out in his place, was so removed from my reality. And I just sat in that and going, "I, I have so much privilege that I get to think about the text the tensions based on how I respond to a Facebook post
0: mm-hmm. like that 's
1: the limit of my of my dealing with this. How do mm-hmm. I respond to this? oh yeah that's a tension i do 'm not really into rioting, but man, I understand the pain in which they're rioting from. I get it. How, how do I respond to this so that 's my tension
0: right it 's thinking it's in your head it's thinking
1: mm-hmm. in my head. Jonathan's tension, I could feel it embodied by his posture, the weight in which he's carrying something. And that's just one example of one person um, in an under-resourced black community. Um, all of, uh, Those are all, all over America um, a- and Canada. And what does it look like then to show up, to have my privilege um, not just confronted, But what is it to link together across neighborhoods potentially? What is it to actually see a better world emerge? To see, you know, Jonathan said this one, this one quote that really hit me, that we can dismantle all we want, but if we're not replacing it with a new narrative, all we're leaving is empty spaces. And that just hit me, and I'm going, okay, we can destruct, we can, we can dismantle systemic racism and white supremacy, but what is it being replaced by? And how do we do that work together of, of replacing, um, of desiring a new world that is equitable and just, um, where we elevate experience and story and narrative, not money and mind um, and comfort. So, yeah, I just been, yeah, thinking a lot about, A, just seeing my privilege and just how large and massive it really is. And then how do I, how do I be part of the rebuilding? Because I long for that kind of world.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering if it's important, or I I guess my first thought was when you're talking, because even as you're Describing the solutions, their head solutions, right? Like you're thinking about it and it's like, how does that or did that as you were listening to Jonathan and you heard that, did it move to your body? Is it important that things move from our heads to our bodies and hearts? These are some of the questions that I had. You don't have to answer them. Some of them are rhetorical. But in in building empathy, partnership, coalition, linking, um... Does it have to, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, what gets us to movement or to actual shifts and change and transformation? Um,
1: right. I think I think story and narrative are so important in that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I got to feel, as Jonathan shared his story, experience, and narrative, mm-hmm. I moved to my body. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in my head anymore. Mm-hmm. This is a real person who I love mm-hmm. deeply. And I got to... See into his world mm-hmm. his pain, mm-hmm. his context, so now, um, in some ways, the term that, that, that you've coined the privilege of distance was 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 removed for me mm-hmm. This is now a friend a, brother, you a
0: window and experience into, yes into that. yes yeah.
1: so for me I think it's it main, maintains head as soon as the privilege of distance is still distant mm-hmm Like that privilege for me of keeping a distance. So, I I think one of the things is is moving me into a place, getting closer, getting Uh closer to my friends who are dealing with these issues on the ground in the day to day, and me hearing their stories, their narratives.
0: Right. Jonathan was saying we were in the pre-conversation. We were we were kind of diving into that, and and his. One of his main points, even in sharing that, was that about the tension was that he's like the closer you are into your neighborhood, there should be an increased tension because you are holding the space for um, opinions, views, uh, people that are in tension with one another. They are they're in competition with one another. But you, if you are, you know, as far as we were talking about being pastors, you know, at the church in place. Um, in in a neighborhood um, that we are we are, we hold those things we understand we experience and we you know anyway he's, it, he's, he basically was like if you don't feel the tension then you're not close enough the tension is like when you're there and you were like I wrote that business yeah. plan 20 years ago with that business yes. owner that's right and yes power to the people but now his business is gone like right. it's both exactly. like, right right but it's and, both
1: true yes
0: yes yeah and it's both
1: it, yeah, it's both and
0: yeah. yeah. and I think that that is actually like a, the sign of tension is the sign of closeness, I think. It's well said. it's it's the sign of how near we are and and absolutely the 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 cure, the solution, the anecdote to privilege is removing the distance.
1: For sure and yes. so that's then that's the it. question well said. Is,
0: So what do we need to do with our bodies? to remove the distance.
1: Yeah, what, like, what, what are, are living, ways yeah.
0: that Which we can like,
1: remove that distance in our own communities, our yeah. own neighborhoods, yeah. getting into the cracks and crevices that we know are all there.
0: Right, and Paul Sparks talks about this a lot from Parish Collective, and he talks about um, right, living above place. Yeah. Right, like that's privilege. You live above the place yeah. that you exist yeah. in. You don't yeah. know the names of the people, you don't know the people that are
1: yeah.
0: uh, that, that make up your particular community. And um, the turn, the opposite of that is to go in deep into place.
1: And and I would say with this COVID um, Mm -hmm. reality, I understand why people are calling it a white-collar pandemic. Yes. Um, Because we, again, have the privilege to distance ourselves. Yeah, exactly.
0: And so that is why when we talk about why black communities... African-American communities in the United States are being hit so hard is because they have underlying conditions. Right. Because of the way that food sources, just health in general, whether they're talking about health care, what access, food access, then we have the, exactly what you're talking about, the privilege, a lot of them are essential workers. Yeah, they just so they still have to, they still have to exactly. go yes. to all those places to yes. do their work, which makes them vulnerable. And they live in; they tend to live in closer proximity to one another, so sure. that to be, sure. they aren't able to sell, to isolate the way right. that right. you know. How big is your home? How many people are living your home with you? Um, yep. yep. Can you actually stay away from work? All those things, exactly what you're saying, and and all of that makes their that population more vulnerable here.
1: Right. So I would say for me personally, why I think it's easier for me to live into my head and to keep that distance is because, again, um, I'm white in a primer, in a dominantly white neighborhood. Um, COVID hits, I've been really obedient and self-isolating and, mm-hmm. and doing the things that I'm told to do because I don't want to put people at risk. But in doing that, my body is removed from the pain on the ground. Right. so I'm not right. present in my neighborhood in the ways I have been mm-hmm. I'm not present in my community in the ways that that I long to be and preach on and talk about and share on um, mm. because COVID's happened so I, I can't be in my mind um, so, so I am um, yeah in removing myself or distancing myself from the community uh, I definitely am not feeling the same tension um, that I know others are facing but that I also should be facing mm. um, so yeah i just been sitting in that
0: mm.
1: where a friend of ours uh, Jessie who has turned her business into a kitchen to serve um, she does oh gosh I can't think of the name of it um, food with a cause but I'm not saying the right name um you can find it on arlington five 's website website, but a number of businesses have come together to serve under resourced communities um, marginalized people, and they 're right in the in, in the middle of it, and so her awareness in this moment is so different than mine because she 's removed the distance, not just shut down her shop and go Oh we can 't open right she 's actually opened for the marginalized. Mm-hmm. And it's just such a beautiful... So her experience and growth and change is so different than mine in this moment because she hasn't removed herself from the distance of what's going on around her.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What are you noticing? Enough about me.
0: Whew. Um. Well, yeah, you know, I, I've been... Um, I've been busy... Um, just engaging in a, in a lot of this work, I feel pretty fired up about yes. in, in this moment and um, as, you know, activist, pastor. So this moment sort of calls something out of me and I move into action. And, and, and then our faith community has been, mm-hmm. you know, explicitly um, affected because we had a black man in our church killed by cops Yes. Um. Here right. in Portland, and so our activity and our engagement is high because we are yeah. that yep. the privilege of distance was removed for us. So, so we've been marching uh, with the Washington family and attending rallies and wow. events, and we have a rally march tomorrow at Portland State University, asking them to disarm PSU. Um, Amazing. So there's been a lot of, you know, I'm learning a ton as far as organizing and and seeing there's so many amazing, great people who have been doing this work for so long, building those, like doing the work, building the coalitions and the networks. And it's just amazing that you realize all of that hard work and sometimes those days that seem mundane and nothing's going on prepare for the moment when you need to go into action. And so, um, we've been able to tap into just, a, to a, a coalition here, um, in Portland. And so that's just been amazing. Mm-hmm. So we're not having to do a lot of inventing in the moment, but there's things already built. So that's been fantastic. And, um, and you know, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm tired. Ty- I'm pretty tired and I definitely feel it in my body. I'm exhausted and, uh, not eating as well as I need to be eating. I forget to eat. I think the last two days I've—it's been like two or three in the afternoon when I remember that, that I haven't that eaten. That is your yet. thing. And I'm like, oh, I've only had two cups of coffee and.
1: Why? Well, yeah, it's not are. the best.
0: And I was walking away from a rally yesterday, and first oh of all, God. it was a really charged and amped rally, and it was powerful, and it was just an amazing event to be a part of, and um, I. Um, uh, shared about Disarmed PSU with Kayla Washington, Jason's oldest daughter. And, and so it was just a powerful moment. And mm-hmm. I was walking away and I, my body was shaking. Like I could feel like that it was like, yeah, it was just intense um, from the moment and then not having food, both of those things working together. So anyway, uh, I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm tired. I I can tell one of the ways in which I know that I'm tired as well is that my emotions are um, much more on the surface. I don't have a filter and I'm a feeler, not a thinker. So, um, even in that, in the webcast yesterday with Jonathan, I was actually having like post, uh, hangover, like emotional vulnerability hangover. And part of it was because I knew my emotions were so upfront. I could not, like my thinking was disrupted.
1: Right, right. Yes.
0: Um, and so in the moment, I'm like, I'm hearing Jonathan talk and it was like my brain could not come up with a response. I only had feelings. And, but I had to have words. <laughs> so my words right. were just feeling words and I felt like I was rambling. And anyway, and then I was just frustrated with myself for being that person in that moment because, you know, anyway. Uh, yeah, it makes lots of sense. It's just, there's just a lot of emotion for me right now in, in the work. And um, and and then not uh, honestly, just not enough time to sit with it and to allow it mm-hmm. to distill into like a concentrated language and expression. So um, that's kind of the that's the work that I need to do independently.
1: That's um, well, fascinating, and I think and this is a, again maybe I'm just I'm just processing. Maybe you living into your fields. Um, and you're a four on the Enneagram for those that care at all about that. <laughs> um, you're a heart feeling, like that's who you are. So maybe having those on the surface and raw is actually the best place for you to be. Whereas I'm also a heart person, um, yet I'm living it in my head because it's all I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, don't, I don't have anything right now to engage the heart mm. outside of distant. Mm-hmm. And anything distant from me I can only engage with my head.
0: Yeah.
1: So maybe the barometer for us all is, is what's your heart responding to? Is it responding to the pain, um, the injustice, white supremacy, um, and the pain that that's causing because you're close? Because that requires a heart response.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or are you so distant that you're only... Your own, your privilege only can think about it,
0: right? Right. So it becomes analytical.
1: It becomes analytical. I
0: just, I know that, and I think, and I had, you know, I was expressing my frustration with myself to a few people, and they're very encouraging. And I, I know that one of the things that I bring to the table is vulnerability and my feelings. I, I recognize that for sure. Um, I think that it's just because I value the linear, strategic thinker so much, and. And so, um, and I think, yeah, and I just think, oh, I'm not. I this is so ego. Um, I I just I want to be smart about this stuff, you know. Like I want right. to present. I, no, right. I should say I want to present. This is like the three. I actually want to at least present as though I, I know what's. going on. I want to present as here. if I know what's yeah. going on. I'm gonna
1: look at. I'm gonna look good in this moment.
0: Yes, but I just there were so many feelings, and similar to you when Jonathan was sharing, and I felt the heaviness and the weight of what oh, he's bearing, yeah. and and I have a, just a taste of that you know and right. and it makes me mad and it makes me sad I was teary on the call and I'm like yeah, same. you know and it's just but I yeah you're right it it's good and it ought to move us
1: yes and that's what's we, gonna move us We
0: need to we need the shifts and we do. Um, you're right I think that story and narrative help us do that um, even more so than facts and figures and so for
1: sure they do um,
0: I was grateful for Jonathan's vulnerability in the call to, to in the talk to be able to say the things that he was saying. And, and I, I as someone who gets to be a part of a lot of POC conversations, I want those stories and those things to be heard and said, and Me I too. want white folks to hear them. I want people who have distance and privilege from the, the experiences of POC yes. to get close to them. And yep. and to be able to hear them. And and one of the things that's a struggle in that, in that storytelling is that that there is a oh God, how do I say it? Like it is very exposing. It is very vulnerable, and it is for POC who have told their stories and shared, and then basically been slapped in the face, or like that's not true. They're like, right. "Screw you! I'm not going to share my story one more time. I'm not right. going to go costly. through that vulnerability right. just for yep. you to excuse yep. it away again, or not do any damn thing about it." And so right. there's a, there's a, you know, uh, that I, I I get, and I get that, and and so um, there's a, there's work I, to be done there in building the trust yes. for those stories to be shared and then really listen to. And then, yep. like, people actually changing because of that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I am seeing a movement, literally a movement, where you coined the term the other day, um... You, you didn't coin, coin it, but you uh, said it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I have not used that word before. When someone gives up their space and privilege for the story of someone on the margins, mm-hmm. um, yet they're present uh, and you come alongside them, like what you did with Kayla Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you're there, you're supporting, but it's their voice that's being magnified. Mm -hmm. highlighted. And I think that's a way that we we can really maximize, I think, the moment in which we're in, like what you did with Jonathan. Jonathan didn't need to be on a call with another white person. Mm -hmm. He needed you as someone who was safe and a trusted friend to share his story with. And it was going to be way more vulnerable if there was a white person across the 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 call is in a safe room um mm-hmm. but call because he got to talk with with you and that vulnerability came because it probably was you and and i think that's how we need to create these safe spaces mm-hmm. and then allow the stories to then be be viewed and watched by us um who are who are white who can learn from the experience
0: yeah yeah i'll tell you what i'm just briefly i know we're we're, coming, we're we're, we're way over time but it's so fine. good um, it's so good it's our podcast we can do whatever the hell we want um, yes we can the uh, yeah and this is so attached to that I'm just gonna rant for a second
1: I love your rant. longer
0: than a second but you know what I do not need this is what no POC person needs in their life right now are white dudes coming and telling oh them God. their stories and trying to correct POC narratives like yes. the opposite, the exact opposite of what is needed right now is that. And so right. just in general, when, if you are a white person, you, if you have that compulsion, like, well, I really want to tell my side or, oh, I think they just, just squash that
1: Stop. or like go yep.
0: find your white friends to say that too. do not like go at POC people, especially when POC people are sharing their narrative, when they're sharing their story, when they're sharing their experience, and then you're like, well, actually, that's what you're doing. You're doing a well, actually, or it's like, you know, or mansplaining it or whatever it is. I've been getting, I I typically, Facebook is not a a, a place that I venture onto very often. I've been a little bit more engaged recently just because I've been more active in posting information about what's going on here in Portland. Yep. Yep, and um, making declarative statements. Uh, but I, I've been having more uh, in my field, you know, more white dude pastors coming out and saying, uh, basically defending their white institutions.
1: That's oh, so painful.
0: It's very painful, and it's
1: it's exhausting. It
0: is, and it's like they can't see it. They can't. It's like they can't even see that what they're doing is exactly what I'm naming. You right. know, and, no, 100. percent I'm like, I don't.
1: Well, the amount of white dudes posting on my feed is just annoying
0: it's a lot it's It's a lot it's a lot and so anyway um i i i wouldn't say that i think that i don't i don't think that everybody has some malicious intent or they're not it's not an intentional um racism or gender bias it's not intentional it's just there and I'm like, right. I can't help you see I'm trying to help you see it, and you can't, can't see it. I like, can't help you see it. I can't. I can't. This, is, this is not my job, and it's certainly not no, what I want to do on Facebook. But no. it's just like...
1: Stop. It's hard. It is hard.
0: If you Yeah. If you want to know what's draining, that is. No, it's draining. When I <laughs> see
1: it pop up, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, it just is draining. And again, I'm a white dude, and I'm drained by <laughs> right. it. Like right, right. Like, I've got, I am not someone who is risking a lot or like, oh my God, it's draining for me. I can't imagine. Just, so yeah, please, white dudes, just stop. Don't do it.
0: (laughs) More listening, more getting close with your bodies to listen,
1: read, do the work. (laughs) It takes time. Start somewhere. And stop talking. It
0: does there, and there are so many. The reality is that there are so many good resources out there. So, so much. many. So many, and
1: so many places, like uh, again, businesses and, and books, and are opening up stuff for free. Um, mm. Like you can watch all the all the movies you want that highlight the. The black narrative on Cineplex Odeon for free. You like, there's just so much. Yeah, I mean, if
0: you're a movie person, there are great movies which tell story. Yeah, Um, movies, books. There's a great one of my favorite podcasts on whiteness is Seeing White. I don't know if you've listened, but that is one of the best ones out there. Seeing White. Um, You can Google that and find it, and it's up. It's a good one. There are just so many, so many, so many really good So many things. Places. Yeah,
1: so many things. So go find them, listen, do the work. There, that's it. That's all, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. And Sonia, thank you.
0: Yeah, thank you. We'll talk again soon.